the sound of revival The word is waiting for me to be heard Tell somebody, fear God. I think that it's a, it's a subject that has become almost irrelevant, um, rare, almost unnecessary. Because he's a loving God, he's a kind God. And so, it's okay not to fear him. And people have explained it in various ways, you know, because we are in the season of grace, dispensation of grace. Um, God will not punish. God doesn't do anything. Well, we'll see what, what happens um, in these our times as we go through some verses and then some revelation. Psalm 2 verse 10. I'm reading 2 verse 12. The Bible says, Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Not even serve the Lord with love. Serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling. So it's actually wisdom to fear God. Serve the Lord with fear. And in your rejoicing, you must tremble. So in your rejoicing in church, you must rejoice trembling. In your rejoicing in life, you must rejoice trembling. You must actually, so what the Bible is saying is that it is wisdom to serve God with fear. It is unwise to serve God without fear. It's unwise to be in the house of God without fear. It is, it is detrimental to your life to operate around God without a certain type of fear. And I'm not talking about the reverential fear or, you know, I, I, I fear his presence. I fear that. That's not the fear I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the fear that God will strike me. I'm talking about the fear that this thing that I'm doing, if I attract the attention of God, I may die. Like the apostle said, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. It means that I am already dead if I don't preach the gospel. That is the kind of fear I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the fear that when we come into his presence, you know, you feel goosebumps and you stand there. Fine, it is not alright. It is divinely incorrect to come to church and be afraid. And so anybody at all comes to church anyhow, does work for God anyhow, serves God anyhow, or prays anyhow, approaches the altar of God anyhow, takes a microphone anyhow, preaches anyhow, sings anyhow, ashes anyhow, there is no fear. It doesn't cross our mind that the thing that I am doing before coming to church on a Sunday morning, if God picks it up, I'm gone. We don't have that fear. We don't have that fear. And until we get to the point where we begin to fear God, not just, not just honor God, but fear God, we are not ready to enter. We are not ready for heaven. You are not ready for his arrival. You are not ready for his kingdom because it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the Almighty. It's a fearful thing. It's a, it's a fearful thing. It's not, it's not something that you take lightly. So people think about judgment and they are thinking, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be. It's a fearful thing. It's a fearful thing. It's something that you must be afraid. It's something that you must be concerned about. It's something that you must think about all the time. Are you afraid? The way you talk about the things of God, are you afraid? The way you talk about the men of God, are you afraid? The way you respond to the things of God, are you afraid? The way you give an offering, are you afraid? The way you worship, are you afraid? You know, the way you respond to the arrival of a president or a common minister is not the same way we respond to the presence of God. Because when it comes to the common minister, if you misbehave, somebody can slap you. But you don't fear the one who can finish the one who slapped you. 
Listen, it's the fear of God that can preserve and prepare us for heaven. Is somebody here at all? Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. I'm building up, I'm coming. Don't worry, I'll get there. Second Corinthians 5:10. I just came to warn and advise. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Second, next verse. Next verse. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Knowing therefore the terror, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, knowing how terrible it is to fall into the hands of the Almighty. That is why I've come to persuade men. That's why we have come to persuade men that listen, it is a terrible thing. It is a fearful thing. It's a scary thing. That is the reason why God said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Because when God becomes wicked and decides to repay, man cannot think about what God can do when wickedness comes into the heart of God. Man cannot do what God, man cannot do what God can. Can you, can you, can you organize a flame of fire that never quenches? You can't. It will never even cross your mind. It won't cross your mind. But God did that. God did that. God can be mean. God can be wicked. You must fear. It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the Almighty. So knowing that the terror of the Lord we persuade men. I came here to persuade men. I came here to persuade women. I came here to tell some people that listen, if you don't change your life and become a bit afraid of God and the things of God, you can actually run yourself into danger. You will run yourself into danger. We have lived ourselves and our lives without fear. We have lived our life without fear so much, so much that we, we handle the things of God Without respect. I mean, somebody is coming to give an offering and they carry any type of money, any type of seed, any type of offering to come. But that same person, when he has to give it to somebody else, it has to be shining, it has to be straight, it has to be smooth, it must be presented well because it's a man that you are presented it to. But when it comes to God, anything at all goes. Look, our fear for God or our our disregard of God and the things of God even shows in the way we operate in the church, the way we behave in church, the way we dress, the way we talk. All of those things will tell you whether you fear God or you don't. I'm just getting into this thing. And I'm, I'm going to finish very soon. So don't, don't, don't switch off yet. I'm going to finish very soon. You read Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and it talks about the whole duty of man. The whole duty of man. The whole duty of man is not to worship God. The whole duty of man is not to worship God. The whole duty of man is to fear God. Is to fear God. You must live your life fearing God. No, I know you may not enjoy the message I'm preaching, but you must live your life fearing God. Enough of that. I don't care. Enough of that. We are in the time of grace. Enough of Oh, you know, God will forgive and God will, God has cast our sin in the sea of forgetfulness. They are all true, but there's also the part where God can turn and begin to deal with issues the way he must. Listen to me. I have children. There are times that my children know me as their father because I'm playing with them. But there's a time that they know that I don't have to only respect the old man. I must fear him because he can remove his belt. And when he removes his belt, it's judgment time. And there's a time that God will play with us as his sons and daughters. There's a time that he will jest with us. There's a time that we can hang around with him in the garden and be smiling and being happy. But a time comes when he draws out his sword, he draws out his belt, and he says, this is judgment time. And if you are not afraid, it is that time that this thing is going to worry you. Is that time that the thing is going to worry you? So we must get to the point where we begin to operate around the things of God with a lot of fear. A lot of fear. The people of old feared God. They feared God. They feared God so much that the high priest was the only one allowed to enter the Holy of Holies. And when he is going, there must be a rope tied around him and bells because nobody can enter apart from him. If you enter by mistake, you are gone. He himself, as he's going, he's afraid. And they are not sure whether he'll come back or not. But what happens today? 
We finish fornication and we come and take a mic. We finish embezzling funds and we come and take a mic. We finish dressing down the man and the people of God and we come and sit here and then act as if nothing has happened. We lift up holy. Is it holy? We lift up hands. After the same hands that we have used to do everything that we do, we come and lift it up because there's no fear. There was a time that people feared God. They feared God to the point where they don't enter. They don't touch the things of the holy house. They don't touch the holy of holies. They don't, they don't. Once they hear, once the bell stops ringing, they know that the high priest is gone. We draw him out. We don't go in there. But now, what do we see? People walk uselessly and lackadaisically into the chamber of the high priest. Talk about his nakedness. Talk about his sins. Talk about his mistakes. Those were the days that you are afraid to talk about the high priest. You can't enter into the tent. But now we do it easily. Because we don't fear. But the fact that you don't fear and nothing is happening now does not mean nothing is going to happen. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time you begin to see the manifestation of the results of fearlessness when it comes to the things of God. I just pray that we don't get to that point because it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the Almighty. Are we here? In spite of the, in spite of, in spite of the time of love, a time of judgment is also there. And by all means, it will come. Abraham feared God. Abraham feared God and so he obeyed. Obadiah feared God, so he preserved prophets. Look, there was so much fear that when Moses was to, was to go for the, um, for the tablets, let's look at Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20. Exodus 20, 18. Let me show you something quickly. Exodus 20, 18. Oh, Jesus. Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings and the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Next verse. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us, we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. They were so afraid of God that they didn't even want to deal directly with God. Now we have people who sit down and say that we can deal directly with God. We don't care about the man of God. We we'll deal. It's like somebody saying that you know what? I don't care about ECG. I'm going to connect my stove. I'm going to connect my cooker to Akosombo Dam itself and get power. You are just going to die. You are just going to die. And that's what we are doing now. We don't care about the conduit. We don't care about the root. We don't care about what has been provided. We just say we want to. But the Israelites said that you Moses deal with God. Let him not talk to us directly or we die. Or we die. Or we die. So we ask ourselves, if we are supposed to fear God, how do we show that we fear God? What are the, some of the manifestations of fearing God? That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I just want to give you three things that you do to show that you fear God. Three things that you do that shows that you are afraid of God. You revere him. You respect him. You want to do something that will cause you to be ready for him. Are you, are you okay with that? Can I give you those three things this morning? Wonderful. We'll be out very soon. Don't worry. Nehemiah chapter 5 verse 14. Nehemiah chapter 5 verse 14. Nehemiah chapter 5 verse 14. Moreover, from, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year until the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the governor's provisions. The governor's provisions is something I'll talk about very soon. Continue. But the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver yes even their servants bore rule over the people but i did not do so because of the fear of god he said that the things that 
the things that were mine, they were my right. The governor's provision was the right of every governor. The right of every governor. It was like, it was like when you become a minister, they have to buy you a car, whether the state has money or not. They have to give you a bodyguard, whether they have money or not. They have to do all of those things for you. So Nehemiah had access to those things. But he says that because of the fear of God, the things that were rightfully mine, even the governor's provision that I was supposed to take, that my predecessor, the former governors who were before me laid burdens on him. My predecessors accessed those things. I did not take it. I did not take it. Because I feared God. There are certain provisions. Look, the Bible says that um, we, 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 we have access to all things. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. So Nehemiah had access to the governor's provision. But looking at the burden of the people, looking at the pain that the people were going through, looking at the poverty of the people, he said that I will not touch this. I will not take it. I will not take it because it is not, it will not help the people. It will not benefit the people. And he did it not because he wasn't hungry. He did it not because he didn't like it. He did it only because I feared God. I fear God. We must get to the point where we begin to make decisions because we fear God. We make decisions because we fear God. We don't marry this person because we fear God. We don't go out with this person because we fear God. We don't talk this way because we fear God. We don't take these things because we fear God. We don't go to this place because we fear God. We don't do certain things because we fear God. Not because we fear man. Because it is our right to do it. Yes, you can marry. But it's your marriage one that presents to people the fear of God. You have the right to do this. But when you do it, how does it affect the other person? Don't do it because you fear God. Don't do it because you fear God. Not, not because of your pastor. Because your pastor is not everywhere. If the reason why I believe God wants us to hear about the fear of God is that when you begin to fear God, you become somebody that is above the law. You, you go above the law when you fear God. Because when you fear God, you will not even... You, when you fear God, the law of man is useless to you. It's, it's so basic. When you fear God, the law of man is basic to you. When you fear God, you don't, you don't need your pastor to tell you not to do this because you fear God. When you fear God, you don't need the government to tell you not to do this because you fear God. When you fear God, you don't need your wife to be present before you don't fornicate because you fear God. When you fear God, there are certain things that naturally will fall off you because of that fear. You don't need a man to follow you with a stake if the fear of God is there. And we can only be ready if the fear of God is working. Unfortunately, for most of us, we have abandoned the fear of God. Because of the fear of God. Next verse, please. Next verse. And at my table were 150. Okay. Indeed, I also continued the work on this wall. And we did not buy any land. All my servants were gathered there for the work. And then he talked about the fact that he also sacrificed to some people. And, and at my table were 150 Jews and rulers, besides those who came to us from the nations around us. At my table, where he was feeding them. So there were certain things that Nehemiah did because he feared God. And I want us to pick a couple of lessons from what Nehemiah did because of his fear for God. If you fear God, number one, be different. If you fear God... Number one, be different. Be different. Don't operate like your predecessors. It says that because I, 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 didn't take, I didn't take what my predecessors took. Even though I had the right to take it, I didn't take it. Because I fear God. If you fear God, number one, be different. Don't conform. Don't conform to what goes on in this world. Don't conform to what goes on in Tema. Don't conform to what goes on in your society. Don't conform. Don't say that everybody is marrying two, so I also take two. If you fear God, be different. Stand aside. Stand tall. Be outstanding. Let everybody know that this one is different. Nehemiah said the previous governors took it, but I did not because the people were struggling, and I did not because I feared God. I did. I, I didn't do it because I fear God. I wouldn't do it because I fear God. Be different. Be different. If you are a student, be different. 
If your husband be different, if your worker be different, it is time, it is time for Christians, it's time for Christians out of the fear of God to look different, sound different, work differently in their offices. Somebody must come to your office and say that this guy is different, this guy is different, and they will say that he's an Adonai member, he's a Christian, he's washed by the blood, he's on way to heaven, he's ready, prepared, and ready to go. You cannot be a Christian and conform to the stealing, conform to the evil, conform to the wickedness, conform to everything that goes on, and you have the nerve to say that, oh, you know the world has changed, things are different. If Jesus even was around, he would have done the sentence sacrilege don't talk that nonsense again with your mouth fear God a little and don't open your mouth and say anything that you feel like saying to bring damnation and curses upon yourself and your children be different be different we are too common we have just become like everybody else we can't see. You see four people walking. You can't tell who is a Christian, who is an unbeliever. We have, we have, we have unbelievers who have gone into the world and are doing well in the world, and we have Christians who are also doing very well in the world. And when you see them, you can't tell the difference. Their language is the same. Their stealing is the same. Their sin is the same. Their wickedness is the same. Everything is. There's nothing different. When you see them, you, when you see them dressed, you can't tell. When you see how they are standing and taking pictures with girls, you can't tell. When you see how they are holding somebody's wife, you can't tell. You can never tell because they are not different. I came to tell somebody, if you fear God from today, be different. Be different at your workplace. Be different in your school. Be different in your community. Be different in this area. Let Adonai be a different church. Let Adonai be a church that is ready for his coming. Let the people of Adonai rise up and walk holy, walk worthy, walk righteous, walk in purity and be different you got to be different because you fear god it's not enough to kneel down and raise your hands because you fear god you got to be different somebody must see something different about you somebody must look at you and say that there's something about this guy there's some i don't know what about it but there's something there's something about him you know among all his siblings there's something about him and and and, and we can't tell that thing it is the presence of god that comes with the fear of god when you fear god you attract his presence when you fear god you attract his grace when you fear god you attract his accompaniment when you fear god you do things like a god-fearing person and you manifest the things that come with the fear of god fear god be different be different be different when we see our bishop look you see you see the epitome of humility you see the you see a picture of humility you see a picture of holiness you see a picture of uprightness you can tell that the man is different when you are even praising him say the glory glory to god Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody's also waiting. Waiting to, waiting. It's, it's, if, if they give me the mic, what I'm going to do? Fear God. Fear God. Fear God. Fear God. Fear God a little. It will make you a better person. To make you a better person. It will make you a better person. It will make you a better Christian. It will prepare you for the kingdom. Your preparation is useless if there's no fear for God. Your preparation is useless if there's no fear for God. Look, everybody that feared God operated differently. Don't follow the trend. Don't try to be like everybody else. Nehemiah had the right to take the bread of the governor. Yet, he said no. Because this one will burden the people. I won't do it. I won't do it. Sometimes, sometimes, don't do certain things because you are looking at somebody who may fall. You are looking at somebody who may fall. You are a strong Christian. And so you can walk in and out and nothing will happen to you. But that young Christian who is watching you, do you think that he's safe watching the way you are moving? Don't think that you are in the church and nobody is looking at you. People, people are observing you to live their Christian life. Woe be unto you 
if because of your foolishness and your fearlessness for God, somebody is not able to make it to heaven, his blood will be on your hand. His blood will be on your head. His blood will be written by your name. Fear God. Fear God. Not just I fear him so I kneel down and I bow down before him. He doesn't care about bowing down. He has angels who are bowing down all the time. He has angels who are bowing. He has thousands, millions, billions of angels who are bowing down all the time. He wants, if he wants more people to bow down, he will raise up stones to bow down. He can do it. He, he's, it's not bowing down that he needs. If he needs people to bow down, it's not your useless knee that will do anything to him. Your bowing down and your dirty tongue, it does nothing to him. It's your fear. It's your fear. It's your fear. If I'm your father, where's my honor? Where's my fear? Where's the fear? Where's the fear? Where's the fear of God in the church? Where's the fear of God in the choir? Where's the fear of God in the ashes? Where's the fear of God in the ministry? Where is the fear of God in the kingdom? Where's the fear? Where's the fear? That anybody can just get up and just say anything and think that there'll be no there'll be no there'll be no consequences. I beg you. Get ready. You'll see the consequences very soon. Fear. Fear. Sometimes your rights will infringe on someone's freedom and someone's little comfort that they will enjoy. Don't insist, you don't insist on it. Small somebody, somebody is just driving and wants to enter the traffic a little. Soften your heart and fear God a little. Soften your heart and fear God. One marriage, one marriage, we have counseled you and counseled you and counseled you and counseled you and all because you cannot soften your heart and forgive the man. Fear God and forgive him and have your peace. I'm speaking to somebody. Fear God and soften your heart. You have a hard heart. Your neck is too stiff. It will be broken one day without remedy. Fear God a little. Allow the fear of God to work in your life. You are too hard, too stiff, too rigid. I won't shift. I won't change. I will not let go. I will not forgive. I will not allow it. Please. Please. Sometimes God gets tired of us. God gets tired of us. And we say, we are going to heaven. You are going to which heaven? Without heart of yours, without fearlessness, without irreverence to God, which heaven, which of the heavens are we looking at here? Daniel 1 8. Be different. Be different. I'm, I'm saying that everybody who feared God and who stood tall in the kingdom was different. But Daniel purposed in his heart. That he will not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies. Nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile. I want, Daniel said, look, I want, to, I want to stand out. I want to be. I cannot, I can't eat everything that they are all eating. If, if I am eating all the things that they are eating. And then I come out and I'm looking like them. How would that glorify God? How, how would that honor God? How would that tell God that I believed in him, I trusted in him? Somebody should begin to be different. Defy a lot of things to be different. Don't allow, don't allow the world to cause you to conform into a mold. This is how we all do it. Don't do it because this is how we all do it. Do it because God says so. Do it because you fear God. So Daniel said, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to eat it. And when you read down, you realize that because he didn't eat it, he stood out. And he looked better. And they said that he was wiser. Ten times, ten times, ten times better. Ten times better. I see someone being different. And someone becoming ten times better in this lifetime. Financially, you become ten times better. Spiritually, you become ten times better. Educationally, you become ten times better. I speak, your marriage becomes ten times better. Because you are going to be different. Don't walk with all the wives who are saying that, hey, or come back where come 10. Be different. Be different. Be very different. Young man, be different. Serve God differently. 
So Nehemiah was different. Joseph was different. All those people who stood out, they were different. Daniel, different. And all because they feared God. Why do you want to conform? Determine not to blend. You are heaven bound. Be different. Tell somebody, I'm heaven bound. So I'll be different. The road to heaven, the road to heaven, we don't walk on it like the normal road. You know, when the Bible says that narrow is the way and broad is the way and all those things, it really means what it is. So when you see a lot of people doing something, be very worried. When you see a lot of people on that road and they're all doing it, be afraid. Let, let, it, let it scare you a little. Because the narrow road, few there be who find it. And it's the fear that will put you on the narrow road because it's a few people who can walk on that road. So many people cannot. So many people will not. May you walk on that road in the name of Jesus. Number two. Number two. Can I continue? Give me verse 16 of my original verse. Nehemiah 5, 16. Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 16, please. Indeed, I also continued the work on this wall. So God had called him that I needed to build this wall for me. He came in, saw a few things that could have distracted him, that could have stopped him from doing what he had to do. And you too, God has called you. Look, I feel strongly that our number one calling as Christians is to come and be with him. It's not the church buildings. It's not the souls that we are winning. They are good. But after winning all the souls, if you are cast away, then wait till you gain. Then what did you do? So the main thing is still the main thing. It's coming to heaven. It's going to heaven. And the Bible is saying that Nehemiah says, I continued the work on this wall. We did not change the plan. Number two, be focused. Be focused. Be focused. Concentrate on your calling. You have been called to serve God. Concentrate on it. You have been called to sing. Concentrate on it. You have been called to preach. Concentrate on it. You have been called to evangelize. Concentrate on it. You have been called to prophesy. Concentrate. Whatever you have been called to do, concentrate. You have been called to serve the man of God in the house. Concentrate. Focus. Nehemiah focused on the wall. That was his assignment. That was what he was called to do because he feared God. What are you doing because you fear God? Focus. 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 Don't be looking around. Concentrate on your calling. Concentrate on your calling. Nehemiah's calling was building the wall. He concentrated. He didn't allow distractions. We are in a time and age where distraction is normal. Distraction. Distraction. You'll be on course galloping towards heaven. Then you see someone doing something. Hmm. This looks nicer. This looks more attractive. We're talking about we're talking about how ministry has become so difficult. And church members have become so rare and uncommon. <laughs> and faithful members can be counted on one hand usually. And so it has caused people to now be distracted into the occult, into juju, into things like that. So that they can augment they are praise the Lord with something that will draw the people in. Are you understanding what I'm saying? There are many people like that. There are many, there are many women who are walking around thinking that it is not the praise the Lord that will bring a man. Let me pass somewhere. Focus. Tell somebody focus. It is not the prayer that will bring the husband. Let me find something else. Don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. Don't look at what others are doing to do it. Don't follow blindly what people are doing. You have no idea what they do to get the results they are getting. Stop following people blindly. Don't get distracted. Focus on your calling. Focus on your agenda. What you were called to do. What you were told to do. What you were instructed to do by God in your dream that you spoke about. That is the reason why 31 years we are still doing the same thing that God spoke to us 31 years ago. Some of you were not born when that voice spoke. And yet the 
man of God has held on to it. He has focused on it. And you can see that he's running his race. When will you focus and begin to run the race that God has set before you and stop being distracted by unnecessary things? You have been called. You have an assignment. You have an agenda. Walk on it. Follow it. Don't be distracted. Nehemiah walked on it and built the wall. What are you building for God? Focus. Focus. Don't be distracted. There are too many distractions. Wake up in the morning. You get 10 text messages. 20 WhatsApp messages. 15 emails. All distractions. Not one is bringing anything. All of them are distractions. We are, we are bombarded all around with distractions. And so if you are not careful, even praying in the morning becomes a problem because we are distracted. Reading the Bible becomes a problem. We are distracted. Loving God and following God and serving him becomes a problem because we are distracted. Many of us are distracted. We are so distracted that we don't even know that we have lost our first love. Our first love has been sacrificed. We have sacrificed our first love on the altar of destruction and we are following things that the enemy has given us and we have forgotten the God that called us. We have forgotten the God that called us. We have forgotten where we are going. We have forgotten that we, 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 are, we are on a journey. We are just visitors on this earth. We are pilgrims and we are going somewhere. We have begun to build houses. We have begun to dig foundations. We have begun to marry women. We have begun to give our children to marriage. We have forgotten why we were called. We have forgotten why we were born again distraction distraction demonic distraction demonic distraction sometimes even your marriage is a distraction sometimes even your marriage is a distraction sometimes your children they are your distraction you were on course you were on fire you used to pray. You used to read your Bible. You used to do quiet time. You used to do evangelism. You used to do door to door, car to car, truck truck to truck truck. Whatever you were doing, you used to do it. Then suddenly, you met a man that married you and you decided that let's stop this one. Now I'm mature. You have been distracted. You are not mature. It's not maturity. It's called distraction. It's, it's actually called backsliding. It's called backsliding. And most Christians have backsliding. We have forgotten about the first call. We have forgotten about the first love. Some of you, you were in the choir until you became pregnant. You used to sing. You used to preach. You used to do things for God until you became pregnant. Until you married a man. Until you married a woman. Then you stopped everything. You were distracted until you got a job. Come back to your first love. Come back to the focus. Get back on cause. Get back on track. When you were doing these things, you used to love God more. But now we have to beg you before you come to church on Sunday. We have to beg you before you come to prayer meeting on Friday. We have to beg you before you come for evangelism because you have lost your first love. You have been distracted. You are backsliding. You are off course. If the trumpet sounds now, you are left behind. I came to warn somebody because of the terror that we know of our God. We persuade men. I came to persuade you. Get back on course. Get back on course. Get back on course. Get your focus back. Get your focus back. Get your focus back. Enough of the wishy-washy Christianity. Wishy-washy Christianity. Today I'm, today I'm hot. Tomorrow I'm, I'm not. Today I'm offended. Tomorrow I'm not. Get back on track. When you are not distracted... When you are focused, nothing offends you. When you are focused, nothing annoys you. When you are focused, nothing disappoints you. When you are, because there's an agenda. There's somewhere I'm going. Look, the reason why you got here this morning is because you had a focus that I'm coming to Adonai Temple in Comte 12. When you were coming, you saw churches. You didn't get distracted. You saw shops. You didn't get distracted. You saw people's homes. You didn't get distracted. You saw food joints. You didn't get distracted. You saw meat pie. You didn't get distracted because you were focused on the agenda. The reason why you are falling off and the reason why you have been distracted is because you are not focused on the agenda. The agenda is heaven. The agenda is the kingdom. The agenda is heaven. Where is your focus? Fix your focus. Fix your eye on him and you would be not distracted. You will stop being distracted because you know where you are going. Our distraction is because we are not focused. We have not focused. 
you have not focused. You used to be focused. You used to be focused until somebody told you that this thing called heaven is not real. Be there. You'll be shocked. It's very real. It's more real than the house you live in. It's more real than the house you live in. It's more real than the wife you see every day. It's more real. I tell you, the world, the spiritual world is more real than the one we see. Better, more real than the one we see. So those of you who have forgotten about it and you think that you are living life, you are distracted, you are disengaged, and you have backslidden. You are backslidden. You are backslidden. If you used to pray one hour and now you pray 45 minutes, it's backsliding. It's not, it's not slowing down. It's not maturity. It's backsliding. If you used to fast three times a, day, a week and now you do twice a week, you have backslidden. It's not maturity. It's not as if I'm growing in the Lord, so now I have slowed down. You have backslidden. That's what it is. I'm sorry to tell you. What backsliding cry? Who's throwing at me, You used to fast three times every week. Now you do once, even that one you break halfway. And you can you can convince yourself that it's because now I'm matured. Me fasica crabina me winyami. When we pictures, you don't see God. It's pictures you are seeing, you have not seen God. May God bring you back to your focus. May God bring you back to your focus. Many of us have deviated from the original assignment because of the absence of fear. Evangelism, we have stopped. Because our fear for him has diminished. Prayer, we have stopped. Because the fear has diminished. Even our messages have changed, Bishop. Because we don't fear God. Because when you keep preaching holiness and purity, young people don't like such messages. They want to be free to do their own nonsense. So they don't like such messages. And we too, we want people this is, the, this is why we're called to have people. So you come to church, there's only seven people that are there. You feel that your anointing has gone down. The anointing is draining. So let me change the message to a message that they will like. And so I, I now go to preach seven steps to prosperity. Seven steps to getting a good wife. Seven steps to attracting the man that has a beard that will be sweet to you. Seven steps to getting your dream job. Such messages. Our people love it. But seven steps to hell. The road to hell. You can't can preach that message. The road to distraction. You are almost in hell. Recently I saw a book. One of you is a devil. If I come to this church, the title of my message, one of you is a devil. Then I'll tell you, tell the person sitting next to you, are you the devil in this house? I mean, you know, so, so I have to, you, you, you have to now change the message. I remember the days when after preaching, I'll sit down and the people will say, oh, powerful word, powerful word. Then I'll go into my prayer room and ask God that God, did you like it? Was it the message you wanted me to preach? And for hours, I'm there and I'm asking him that. Confirm to me if I said what you wanted me to say. <laughs> Let me know if I did what you wanted me to do because I feel I fear to make a mistake. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to be out of course because I want to please any man. When will we start dropping the accolades of men and asking God that is this what? <laughs> is this what you want? Is this what you called me to do? Is this what you called me to do? Is this why you saved me? Is this why you gave me your children? 
listen the people that come to our church they are not our people they are God's people you cannot decide what you tell them you have to believe God to tell you what he wants his people to hear we change our message because there's no fear we've distracted ourselves we've allowed ourselves to be distracted by the things of this world because there's no fear I just came to persuade somebody that it's time to get back it's time to refocus it's time to be realigned it's time to get back in line get back on track and begin to run the race that was set before you because as it stands now, I don't know how many people can say that I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. How many can say that? I don't know. But it's time for us to come back. It's time for us to refocus. It's time for us to come back into alignment. That's why I came here. He said that tell them that they must come back. They must come back into alignment. They must come back. If I call them on Friday, they should come. If I call them on Thursday, they should come. If I call them on Wednesday, they should come. Because it is not the day that they want to come that I want to talk. There are certain days that I want to talk to them. And when I tell their father to call them to gather, tell them that I want them to gather. Don't choose the days that you want God to speak. Because he is not, he is not for you. You are for him. You don't determine for him what to do. He determines for you what to do. So if he says, I want to speak to you on Friday night, we appear. I want to speak to you on Wednesday night, we appear. I want to speak to you on Friday dawn, we appear. Now, people are afraid to organize dawn prayer meeting. Because nobody would get up from their bed and come to church to pray. But when I was young and I was growing up, my mother used to carry me to church, to the Methodist church, 4 a.m. She's taking me to church because we are going to have morning devotion. Now, which church does morning devotion? Because people have become busy and distracted. And when we try, they will not even come. We have begun to dictate to God what he must do. That's why we are where we are. Oh, Jesus, help us. Help us, help us. Help us. Be focused. Be focused. Be focused. Let your fear cause you to be focused. Hebrews eleven seven. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness. What's your original assignment? What's your original assignment? Somebody sitting your original assignment was to go to villages. And build the ark of God there for people to be saved. You went to the village, you didn't see money, so you are back in the city. You went to the village, you didn't see money, so you are back in the city. When God called you, He assigned you to a certain village. When you got there, you didn't see the light, so you came back because you don't fear God. Go back, return to your original assignment. I said, return to your original assignment. Yeah. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Return. The third one, let me just give you that one. My heart is broken already. Let me give you the third one and then we'll go close. The third one, the fear of God is sacrificial. The fear of God is sacrificial. The fear of God is expensive. If you fear God, you sacrifice. The fear of God will cost you something. The fear of God will, it will cost you something. If your Christianity is costing you nothing, 
I don't know which Christianity you are, you are going through. Because it cost God his son's life. They had to kill a human being. A human being had to be killed for your Christianity or for your salvation. So if it costs you nothing, you must even be worried. How am I, how am I, how am I living a Christian life so comfortably that I, 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 it doesn't cost me my sleep? It doesn't cost me my food? It doesn't cost me my tithes? It doesn't cost me my, my thanksgiving offering. It doesn't cost me my salary. It doesn't cost me inconvenience. It does not cost... You are, you, are, you, are, you are living a very comfortable Christian life. I have not seen anybody dying comfortably on a cross before. When the Bible says, take up your cross daily and follow. I don't know how you can comfortably carry a cross daily. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how a cross can be so comfortable. That you don't think that there's a price that must be paid. And so you are living your Christian. The guy, the guy in Nehemiah says that he fed 150 people at his table at his own cost. That was because of the fear of God that he had. Sacrifice because you fear God. What are you sacrificing for the fear of God? How has it cost you? So far your Christian life is a life of convenience. I will come when I have the time. I preach when I'm available. I give when I feel like it. Rehearsal, I will come when I don't have to cook in the house. I will come when they give me free hours from work. Even that. Sunday is my washing day. So, the day I don't wash, I will come. It's costing you nothing. That's why you are getting nothing out of it. When you see pastors that are being blessed, don't get jealous. It has cost them something. It has cost. When you see people that are living their Christian life and they are getting their returns and they are enjoying their Christian life, it, it has cost them something. It has cost them something. For some, it cost them their marriage. For some, it cost them their children. For some, it cost them their jobs. For some, it cost them their dignity. For some, it cost them their money. For some, it cost them their education. It cost them something. What are you paying for the Christianity that you are living? What are you paying? What is it to you? What cost are you bearing? What cost are you bearing? Even the Ashrin work, you do it out of convenience. We are free and over. Me what time I remember, many time I meet member. Hey, I should come on Friday night. Come through all this traffic. Sunday meet me aba. It costs you nothing. And if, if it costs you nothing, it will return nothing to you. I said, if it costs you nothing, it will return nothing to you. If it costs you nothing, it gives nothing back to you. If it costs you nothing, you don't go where you don't go anywhere with it. If it costs you nothing, let it cost something. Pay a price for this thing that we are doing. Pay a price. Pay a price. Pay a price. Pay a price. Tell somebody, pay a price. The fear of God is his treasure. So it will cost you something. Stop living your Christian life as a fanfare. It's not a fanfare. What are you paying? What are you willing to pay? It will cost you relationships. It will cost you relationships. There are certain relationships you must cut off because of the gospel. Because I fear God. I cannot follow a married man. I fear God. I cannot have a sugar daddy. I fear God. I cannot have a sugar mommy. I fear God. I can't follow somebody's wife or somebody's husband. I fear God. I fear God. It must cost you something. I can't marry an unbeliever. I fear God cost you something. It must cost you something. It must cost you something. I can't just take your money take your money and not preach the word I must preach. Take your money let your money perish with you. I will say what I must say. It must cost you something. And I told my church, you didn't call me. So God says that I should say what I must say. 
I will say it. If you don't give offering, keep your money. Do I look like a poor man? Mm. If God decides to pay you, oh, if you take your appointment letter, you tear it into the appointment letter that your church members gave you as a pastor. If you take it, you tear it into pieces and you collect one from God, eh? the way he will pay you. These church members, they are wicked, though. I'm a ding. So if you take appointment letter from them, the day you preach fornication, that day, that's the day that your offering will reduce. The day you talk about them going to sleep with other women, that's the day that your offering reduces. The day you tell them to be faithful to their wives, that's the day that they will tell you that, Pastor, be very careful the things that you say in this place. But we thank God that all those people are not in this church. Amen. Amen. Or they are here. Oh, they are not here. My eyes are not picking anyone. It will cost you relationships. It will cost you time. It will cost you time. You would have to give some of your time because you fear God. You have to, you have to sacrifice some of your time for the kingdom. You have to wake up at dawn and pray. It's time that you are giving. 3 a.m., 4 a.m. And then the madam and one by by me. The enemy has worked on you and he's also very happy. People can sleep and they wake up tired. And that and that coming. And then I come May God help us. Give away some of your time for prayer. Give away some of your time for evangelism. Give away some of your time for the work of God. Give away some of your time. Sacrifice some of your time. The fear of God will cost you something. It must cost you something. If it hasn't cost you anything already, you haven't started. It must cost you. It must cost you, you must pay the price. Pay money for it. It will cost you your energy. I'm telling you the things that it will cost. It will cost your energy. And the young men and young women, we need your energy in the house. We don't just need you to come and sing or usher. We need you. We need the energy. When we come into the church, we must feel the presence of the youth, young people, because we need your energy. God expects us to serve them in our youth. Not when we grow old. In our youth. So the young people must rise up and become active. And be known in this city. Adonai young people are wild. They are on fire. Not that, oh, you know, the men of God in Adonai, they are the ones that, but the youth, they are just, what? That shall never be your story in the name of Jesus. Because I know that Papa One is expecting that. That his sons and daughters, his grandsons and granddaughters will be on fire. The sacrifice he made was so that his sons and daughters and his grandsons and granddaughters will catch the fire. And I know that in these last days we'll catch the fire in the name of Jesus. To cost you energy, it'll cost you your sleep, it'll cost you your money. It'll cost you your money. It'll cost you your money. In a nutshell, it takes a lot of sacrifice to fulfill the fear of God. Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price? My last verse is Jonah chapter 1 verse 16. The Bible says, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. They feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. They feared the Lord exceedingly and offer sacrifices. They fear the Lord and offer sacrifices. Your fear for God must cause you to offer sacrifices. Your fear for God must cause you to give thanksgiving offerings. Your fear for God must cause you to give your time. Your fear for God must cause you to sacrifice your house sometimes. Your fear for God must cause you to give your land for the kingdom. Your fear for God must cause you to give your car for the kingdom. Your fear for God must cause you to sacrifice something.
Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. Offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And took vows. May God bless you. May God honor you. And may he favor you.